Welcome to Style Zephyr, brought to you by the Alec Bradley Cigar Company, home of cigars like Tempest, Coil, Sanctum, Mondial, and Cigar Aficionado's 2011 Cigar of the Year, the Prensado, makers of premium cigars since 1996. Live true with Alec Bradley. And now your hosts, Kevin Quinn and Arthur Mingo. Hey folks, welcome to this new episode of Style Zephyr. It's going to be kind of quick, uh, a little bit brief, just uh, trying to get something out. Everything being so busy as far as the scheduling goes, a lot going on at work. Uh, got some big goals I'm striving for over at the store and everything going on in terms of the weather, a lot of personal commitments going on at time of the year as well. Got some friends and loved ones that are getting married, so everything in that is rush, rush, rush. So. I hope everyone is enjoying their early part of the spring season as well. A lot of spring collections were kind of getting sent out to all the stores in the early part of January, so we're starting to finally reap the benefits of that. Quite a bit going on for some really, really nice light knitwear and some uh, starting to become boat shoes and moccasins and whatnot going on. And At least the weather is uh, starting to try to clear up here in Chicago. Some beautiful, bright, clear skies and... Uh, sun is finally starting to show its little face around so really really great time of the year right now everything is just kind of starting to bloom and everything at least it makes a commute towards the downtown city area of Chicago a little bit more bearable so it's a good thing for this episode I want to talk very briefly about a little bit of a conversation piece it's quite um, it's quite frequent to the store and it comes to shoe wise and over the course of time I'm going to definitely make a review video um, in regards to shoe build and shoe construction and the different styles and manufacturing makes, uh, primarily you know moccasin construction, uh, cement and epoxies, and also Goodyear welted shoes. Uh, I've seen a couple good, uh, a couple pretty decent marketing videos out there in regard to the build and construction wise, specifically for Goodyear welted because I had been just recently in the market for a big, uh, brand new pair of dress shoes for myself that happened to have been Goodyear welted. But also it comes in terms of, you know, the price, the manufacturing, um, you know, color-wise, the build-wise, and, you know, how I've always been traditionally a wingtip kind of guy, but what else in regards to that can be, you know, really offered or what else is out there. So usually um, I'm going to kind of hint on a lot of gentlemen, which, again, is going to be a topic for today, is going to be in regards to um, what style that I kind of recommend for what kind of a build. And, and by that I mean, you know, broguing versus plain toes versus cap toes and even the amount of broguing that goes into all of that. Uh, what was meant for what and how everything kind of came to be. And I'm going to start it off very simply by talking about wingtips. It, it really seems a, a lot from my customers, whether they're from the you know continental United States, so as far as California, um, my Canadian customers, and a lot of also my folks that I've got a few regulars from Turkey, um, Jordan, I've had from you know Paris, Germany. The last couple of days I've had from Finland, um, Serbia, Isra- uh, Israel, and um, everything in between. And wingtips, it just seems it's got this universal stigma around it that really, uh, really kind of revolves around, you know, it's your grandpa's kind of shoe, which is understandable. You know, you get shows like Boardwalk Empire, and you got movies like The Untouchables, and. Uh, the classic Untouchables sh- uh, TV show, The Black and White, which was pretty cool. And then, of course, you know, Gangster Squad. And you kind of attribute it also to that 90, 1940s kind of 
uh, noir style in your your spectator shoes, and now it's you know who can wear them, uh, when can you wear them, and just that kind of thing. And historically speaking, throughout some research, you're going to see that um, the brogue in of itself. Um, I have had some gentlemen say that um, you know whether they're brogued or just this you know simple wingtip in of itself where it's across the uh, as I call it, the shoulder of the shoe and then across the vamp of the shoe which is right below the stitching um, part of the shoe and towards the actual physical cap of the shoe and not just the cap of where you identify it is so essentially historically speaking the the broguing on a shoe was straight you know, straight up from the Scottish Highlands and they were originally meant to be more of a casual kind of an outdoorsy kind of casual shoe um, primarily as you were hunting or if you were camping or just on a basic hike and where nowadays where we have um, a lot more tactical boots and tactical shoes where you had uh, drainage uh, kind of grommets that were um, punched into the material of the shoe when you think of hunting boots that were made of Gore-Tex they were primarily meant to keep the shoe 100% waterproof and um, even depending on the breathability um, or if not of Gore-Tex if if you had a Gore-Tex boot you were obviously paying a little bit more for it but the great thing about it was the fact that just straight up you knew it was going to be waterproof no matter what the give and take of that being was the fact that once you got water on the inside of that boot you were pretty much SOL so um, again historically speaking Broguing on on any kind of shoe, really, and specifically that wingtip or whether it was a cap, broguing was meant to allow water to actually seep into the shoe itself, and then actually allow that water to drain. Kind of cool, and that even now, as you consider the style or the fashion, just the idea, the concept of the broguing, it's kind of come full circle. And you've I've seen uh, Blackhawk Tactical and a couple other companies where. They've actually made brand new style of boots for special forces where uh, it was kind of like as I've seen on Vietnam style era boots on the uh, paratrooper boots where little uh, tiny vents were installed on the side of these boots so that it was actually meant for the shoe to be able to breathe and then as materials and the different manufacturers kind of made their technological advancements. Um, now it's been just straight up a matter of grommeted holes in the size of these shoes and boots to allow that water to drain in and drain out. So um, at what point, it's kind of like what I equate to um, fedoras, where you can kind of, when people ask when exactly did fedoras kind of go in or, and or out of style, um, they're trying to come back, especially with made-to-measure uh, manufacturers and small businesses out there. But a lot of times it seems as though people are trying to measure, um, when you think of fedoras, they think of uh, JFK. And everybody up to the point of JFK's inauguration, uh, when he was he became the first president up until for how long, historically speaking, that he did not wear a top hat or any kind of hat, like for that matter, at his inauguration. And then also it comes with the, uh, it parallels along with the advent of headrests inside of automobiles, which was not only for comfort, but also to try to protect from whiplash and um, different kind of automotive-related injuries like that. So in thinking about the history of the wingtips and that broguing, it's really kind of a challenge to kind of consider when that historical point may have come, you know, come around to where 
it had gone from a more of a casual wear all the way around to um, kind of now where you might think of other shoe styles, maybe like a tasseled loafer or a Venetian moccasin type shoe, where people, I don't like to say, will attribute it to a certain age group. To be polite about it, I refer to it as a certain career level. You're maybe accomplished or you're retired or you're a certain career field and people are going to have certain expectations of you and how you dress and how your shoes are going to be. And even then, a lot of those gentlemen might come in and um, maybe they are retired or whatnot where maybe they just they don't have to wear it anymore, but because they enjoyed that style so much that they just knew that, hey, like this is a really nicely made shoe, um, the way it's built. And again, that's going to be a topic of a conversation for another uh, podcast. But also, I'm, I'm, I cross my heart, I'm going to do an actual um, HD video and kind of break down um, as far as a couple of my shoes that are both cement, Goodyear, and uh, traditional moccasin construction. Um, th- you know, they're going to be they're going the gentlemen are going to have their you know their specific cup of tea for what they're going to go for and again there's nothing wrong with it it's just um it's just the nature of the kind of perception around that type of shoe where it's become about your career level or you know the kind of gentleman you are or if it's a matter of age um that just kind of seems to be what the kind of vibe has been around that so as far as the wingtips uh kind of circling back to that not exactly sure as far as when they kind of, you know, you do see it around that 1920s, 1930s, into the 40s, um, to even where now they've become sort of a novelty. Uh, we do stock a couple of different uh, combination two-tone wingtips. Um, I happen to have a few shades of wingtips, uh, even in the Spectators, where they were, uh, tragically speaking, a Stacy Adams, where it was a brown and a lighter brown cognac, where... You know, I could definitely wear those guys with a, with a navy blue. I stick more towards khakis just because I don't really care to make too much of a statement. They make it all on themselves, but when you're going to be looking towards the nature of a color and the contrast and that type of thing, I don't need them to be too loud because that's not necessarily what I'm going for. Um, whereas you've got your classic kind of 1920s black and whites, I would not mind those at all, but then again, I'm also not going to be in any... Uh, you know, necessarily any kind of remake of any Boardwalk Empire show or anything else like that along those lines. Um, after that, as far as the you know, into the you know broguing styles go, and then even more simple without the broguing or too much decoration across the line, you're going to have your planes and your caps. Now, as I mentioned before, the perception has been always that uh, wingtips were meant to be casual. Now, my perception in my mind that when I see all this over-embellishment on a shoe is that they're going to be more executive. When it comes to the other, very simply put, uh, shoe styles in terms of whether they're dress or even now how they're being more associated at the casual line, um, there's going to be also that uh, reconnection with cap toes and plain toes. Now, even cap toes can have their own broguing. They can be... uh, on the cap itself, where it might be a, a, a quarter uh, quarter brogue, which is if you do in fact have a cap toe, and most cap toe designs speak for themselves as far as their, um, what you might consider them as, so designated as a cap toe, so it might be some broguing ornamentation around the, the cap of the shoe, it might be a half brogue as to where you might have some uh, broguing uh, you know, cut out along the sides of the shoe, or into your full brogue cap. 
and there's a couple different series of these guys. There's a lot of different manufacturers that'll uh, dress them up or dress them down, whether it's a, a, a whole color or um, even a couple three-tone uh, cap-toed shoes to where it might be um, a certain color along the cap, it might be a certain along the vamp or along the sides or even into the heel or into the heel well. So there's quite a few different options to go on. A lot of them are also going to be seasonal. Um, even in, in mentioning those other wingtips that I had mentioned before, a lot of those, you know, when you get into two tones or uh, multiple tones like that, you can even throw some different materials or even colors into the fray uh, where you might have a combination of calfskin leather or even suede or nubuck, which even then is going to get into a big, you know, how do you care for that kind of thing? So if you have a suede or nubuck, which uh, nubuck is going to be a little bit more of a fragile form of suede, Something that you want to consider, uh, which I am, because my two-tone spectators are in a brown and in a white, so I plan on wearing them with, I have a three-piece taupe suit with a nice little uh, a red streak throughout the plaid on the taupe suit. Um, it's definitely something that you want to consider wearing once the weather gets a little bit more consistent. Um, as, as much as there are different kind of suede and nubuck protector and, uh, kits and sprays and different kinds of products along those lines for both cleaning and condi uh, conditioning, um, definitely something that you want to consider for something when, you know, it's a springtime. I mean, it, it is a seasonal shoe, so that's not really something to be surprised about, but where you're not going to be worrying about um, water penetration or any kind of water stands or anything else like that, even on a, a suede sneaker, because... Um, all these classic, all these classic designs and models of shoes uh, that are not, you know, sneakers or gym shoes. Because Lord knows I'm in Chicago, so they are gym shoes. Um, how many of these manufacturers that are kind of trying to cross the threshold as far as making more gym shoe st styles um, in these better materials and even sheepskin lined, where they're going to have these different decorative um, designs on them, all these different embellishments on them. So, um, kind of getting back, uh, you're going to have those cap toes. Now, even into the plain toed, you're going to always have, you know, you might have your straight up plain toe. Um, you might have uh, some medallion uh, decorations on the cap, anything else like that. Now, personally speaking, I consider plain toes to be very much... Uh, contemporary. I recently just picked up a brand new, uh, it, after realizing that I have about 12 to 14 pairs of dress shoes, uh, realizing how much I like the versatility of brown dress shoes, it occurred to me uh, I don't have a single pair of, other than a pair of antique 65-year-old uh, American-made uh, dress shoes. Uh, they are cork-sold, so while I can wear them every day for a 7 to 10 hour shift, I don't necessarily prefer to because that cork-sold is just um, cork in its own nature has its own various ways of reacting to the shape of your foot and how your arch is and um, if you happen to have any kind of foot sensitivity issues whether you have fasciitis or flat foot if you've had any surgeries or how one foot might be built slightly different from the other um, they're not a, they're not always everyone's cup of tea so it's definitely something that's a little bit more of an acquired taste um, so I recently had decided to go with a pair of brand new black uh, plain toes, and they are they do have a very nice, very simple kind of uh, medallion piece on the cap. They are an Italian leather. Uh, they they're not ma uh, handmade in Italy as uh, a couple of the other pairs of shoes that I had that are wonderful, wonderful in their build. Um, but these guys are uh, they do have a leather uh, stained and finished 
leather on the uppers and very very different from anything else I've ever had before so definitely something that I wanted to try it's again very contemporary and the fact that there was it was very plain Jane and I'm very much as Arthur has affectionately said in the past I'm very much a vintage minded person for how many years I wore wingtips and for how many you know whether they were dressy or casual how many years it's been since I've had those guys so um, something that was a little bit more timeless, something that was a little bit more of a staple, and I can get away with a couple of different styles. And even when you realize uh, for the color of the shoe, if you wanted to do black, which I don't know very many people, and personally speaking, I have not worn black dress shoes of any kind with jeans in years. And even after uh, having realized that I can do black plain toes with um, blue, it was almost, it was kind of strange. It was almost as much of a pop in the difference of color versus a pair of... Uh, you know, uh, whether you want to go with uh, cognac brown, British tan, or just straight up brown, like most people just, you know, kiss, keep it simple, silly, whatnot. Um, definitely something that was really nice after I had tried them on the first time with a pair of really nice blue slacks that had a little bit more of a uh, bolder blue contrast to them. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. I want to thank you guys very much. I'm really enjoying this. It's a little bit more of a mellow, uh, again, just for the sake of time wise, just kind of going solo on this one for today. But I'm uh, going to go into a little bit of a philosophy in regards to how and where and why and what to wear these guys with right after this brief commercial. This is being brought to you by Alec Bradley in the Tempest, one of the workhorse cigars of the Alec Bradley Cigar Company. They are an American company, over 20 years old now. And uh, you can look for them at your nearest uh, cigar retailer if you have any questions as far as those guys. Uh, all the way from your Prensado to your Tempest, your Black Market, and everything in between. So after this, folks. Welcome to Casa de Montecristo, leading tobacco retailer in Chicago. Casa features a beautiful 3,700-square-foot lounge with a VIP room, a conference room, and theater for hosting your events as well. Their inventory features products from companies like Regius, Alec Bradley, Davidoff, Camacho, Romeo y Julieta, Ashton, My Father, and dozens more. Their aging room includes cigars as sold as pre-embargo. Pay them a visit at www.casademontecristo-chicago.com or cdmcigars.com, the home of the only online retailer, proudly paired with Style Zephyr. Hi, my name is Alan Rubin, and I'm the founder and owner of the Alec Bradley Cigar Company. For 20 years, Alec Bradley has been raising and reinventing the bar for premium cigars. Based in the United States, we grow, harvest, and handcraft the finest cigars utilizing the highest quality tobaccos from around the world. Our quality has been featured in numerous publications worldwide, including Cigar Aficionado, winning Cigar Aficionado's Cigar of the Year in 2011 with our Prinsado line. While we're proud of our accomplishments, we're most proud of doing what we do with passion and an emphasis on family. We oversee every aspect of cigar manufacturing with a care and attention to detail that is unmatched. The end results are cigars that bring people together, enhance relationships, and moments that are well-deserved by those who choose to participate. At Alec Bradley, we have our own flavor, uniqueness, and style. Each cigar is its own experience and is true to itself. As a first-generation cigar maker, we don't have generational history, but we honor the timeless traditions associated with fine cigars, and it's time for us to start our own traditions. So come live true with Alec Bradley. For more information, please visit us at www.alecbradley.com. 
We proudly pair Alec Bradley with Styles Zephyr to be true to you. And I'm back. Thank you very much again, once again, for your time and your patience. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you were able to get a quick refill of a nice uh, cup of coffee with your cigar. Nice little cocktail, if you will, a little mixed beverage for tonight. Especially enjoying this wonderful spring weather that we got going on. Some a little bit more milder nights going on and maybe even a nice spring rain in there to kind of ease the mood a little bit more and create yourself a little feng shui, a little ambiance as it were. This episode is being brought to you by Casa de Monte Cristo. They're the official cigar lounge of Style Zephyr. They have a fantastic inventory. One of the leading cigar lounges, uh, meeting rooms with a wonderful VIP lounge and a uh, loyalty-based VIP lounge, a aging room, and as well as an antiquing room, an enormous inventory. You can find Casa de Monte Cristo at 1332 West 55th Street in Countryside, Illinois. You can always give them a call at 708-352-MONTE or 6668. You can always find them also online at Casa de Monte Cristo-Chicago.com, the home of the only online retailer as well. Got several other locations, whether it's 8to8cigars.net, topqualitycigars.com, Casa de Puros as well, one of their other uh, physical locations. Guys are a great place to just kind of unwind if you want to go kind of introverted mode and have a wonderful, uh, wonderful cigar. You know, all kinds of wonderful brands from uh, Ashton, from Alec Bradley, Nat Sherman, uh, AJ Fernandez, all the way across the entire spectrum. So though. Be sure to give them a little bit of a look-see. You can also uh, take a look at them from the link on the website. Going to, again, like I said, keep this episode a little bit more brief. It's been a little bit of a while, so I'm going to even start ramping up as it is now. And once again, kind of talking on the brief topic of uh, uh, shoe design and shoe build and whatnot, uh, the actual construction of the shoes themselves I'm going to talk about. I... I did some research on YouTube and not really seeing any videos, as far as my understanding goes, on the construction between uh, a little bit more traditional makes from Goodyear welted to cement construction, different epoxies, uh, you, you know, all the different uh, makes and models. Because even then, whether your shoes are going to be, you know, a lot of different folks have their viewpoints on shoes that are made from whether they're American made, uh, made in Mexico, made in Italy, made in India. Uh, made over in the UK. Uh, there's one or two brands from uh, London that I'm very, very interested in investing in a little bit myself. So um, on the on the topic, once again, of between plain toes, cap toes, and wingtips, um, as far as what I always kind of recommend wearing them with, if you're going to keep on uh, keep the philosophy going of wingtips being a little bit more casual, it's going to be kind of in the eye of the beholder on this kind of a topic. I I still to this day will recommend uh, brogings and wingtips and whatnot, mostly for the office, mostly for the executive type functions. And again, this is just me, but in from my eye, and I'm and I also have a big eye for angles. So even more narrowly built shoes, I won't I I won't tend to wear them with jeans or especially chinos. Uh, if you've never worn a pair of chinos before, chinos are going to be a little bit more uh, casual, more of like a denim in their cut. So it's it's going to be kind of in your, your instep, and that is uh, from the widest part of the foot to the widest part of the shoe. 
and how they kind of look to your eye. If it looks too narrow, it's going to be a little gaudy. You're not going to be as comfortable as your foot starts to swell throughout the day as you run errands or you go to work, whatever it might be. Um, allowing the as long as they're going to be a better build. Um, any good dress shoe being uh, genuine calfskin leather, full grain genuine calfskin leather, uh, and also with the uh, sheepskin lining throughout, as well as any uh, particular comfort systems of memory foam or even gel incorporated throughout. You want to make sure that your that shoe is going to have enough room to allow your foot to swell out and stretch, because you don't want to, you know, have any uncomfortable, you know, moments with you throughout. You know, if they're for a date night or if they're for a big meeting or if you're going to be on the road traveling. I've got quite a few gentlemen who travel uh, domestically as well as overseas, and uh, even then, uh, there's going to be a. I'm, I'm going to. Do, I'd like to do a, an, a another episode on uh, square toes whether they're lace or slip-ons, just because there's so much uh, back and forth, quite frankly, about whether or not square toes are, are trendy, if they're still trendy, or if they ever were trendy. Um, I can say personally, I've had a lot of gentlemen who absolutely swear by them. Uh, in regards to the wingtips uh, being, you know, in, in the, you know whether they're a you know, quarter, half, or full brogue, in my eye, and a lot of folks tend to agree with me, and again, it doesn't make it right. It's just you know a matter of opinion. Too much going on, really. Like if you're going to be kind of going out, um, it's kind of like a good piece of meat. When you want to have a good piece of meat, whether it's medium rare or slightly medium for myself, not too much pink in the middle, you want to have better ingredients that speak for themselves. And in this case, when you have a better built, uh, a little bit more of an aesthetic to the shoe, let it speak for itself. If you're going to have a whole lot going on in your outfit, you know, and, and even then, if you're going to be doing jeans, a beautifully pressed shirt with a wonderfully tailored uh, jacket, any kind of sport coat, regardless of the color of the shoe, even whether you like black, um, it's not my forte very much. Uh, if you like brown, which is my forte, and a lot of, again, a lot of my gentlemen that I, I kind of coach or um, show them off or present them to a lot of my clientele, um, Brown just seems to have a little bit more personality and a little bit more character, especially in the different shades of the brown. If you want to make it pop a little bit more and going with the you know the the coyote brown or the the tan, the desert tan or whatever you want to call it, whatever you know side of the spectrum you want to chill out in the most. Um, just a lot going on, and it it's not always best for that. Um, I did have a pair, and I, well, I still do uh, a pair of Cole Haan Air Geraldos. They were they're wonderful shoes. They are a wingtip. Um, I got them specifically. I initially was going to have a health and life insurance career. Figured, okay, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of leg work. Uh, they had they were just I didn't know it at the time, but they were just about to be discontinued because I'm not sure if it was the uh, the insoles or the technology or just the line itself. But they had the uh, Nike Air insoles to the inside. So even after I've had them for a couple of years now, the insoles are fantastically comfortable. Um, I used to do them a lot with jeans. Now I specifically stick them to suits and my slacks. Um, just too much going on for them to be casual in their nature like that. Um, in regards to straight-up cap toes, um, it's going to be a matter of how much broguing is in them. If you happen to like a little bit more to kind of make you know a little bit more of an exclamation point in your statement for what you're wearing for your shoes... You can absolutely go with that. I happen to have a pair of, uh, I have a single pair of cap shoes, um, just plain. I also do have a, a pair of caps that are both medallioned and full on brogued. 
even those guys specifically, I always use them as a reference. Too much, uh, too much for myself as far as jeans are concerned. As far as the uh, more simple caps, I like them. Uh, they're a, a shade of brown with a hint of orange in them. A little bit more difficult to find a matching belt with those guys, but I like them very much. They are Goodyear welted, and I'll, you know when the day comes, uh, we'll talk about that. But Goodyear welted, leather soled, rubber heeled, uh, fully refurbishable, and are going to last me for years as long as I take care of them the right way. And in particular, I like them for the shape of the instep. A little bit wider in my eye versus my Italian handmaids. The Italian handmaids are a little bit too narrow. Um, again, sticking to the slacks. But um, as far as my jeans go, whether I want to wear it with like a nicer shirt and a sweater tie or shirt and blazer or whatnot, just kind of balancing out my proportions of how my build is, whether it's between my shoulders, whether it's between my upper abdomen, my hips, whatnot, my legs. As far as even my pants go, I am going to be officially a Levi's guy. Um, I've gone through a couple pairs of Express jeans. I've gone through a couple pairs of Gap jeans. I've overpaid and overpaid for jeans, and they all wind up um, trinking on me. Now, in all fairness, I've never been exactly Johnny on the spot as far as following care and washing instructions. But as far as Levi's are concerned, I fold them inside out. Uh, wash them as is, hang dry them with a uh, fan on them, and then inside out accordingly, one, or I should say right side out um, accordingly after they're dried. A little stiff after that, but for the most part, I don't mind it. They break in quite nicely. Um, they are the standard cut from the 505 series from Levi. Um, this is the first time probably since I discovered Urban Pipeline. Just a nice middle-of-the-road mildly priced jean that was going to hold up and it was a shade of blue that I loved. Uh, I can remember a few years ago thinking okay I want to reinvent this look of the jean shirt blazer kind of look and I kid you not uh, and for a guy who shops this much and I promise I like ladies um, I spent about four months just shopping for a pair of shoes for this because I wanted a certain shade of gray, a, a certain shade of distressed gray in the shoes. One, I'm going with a pair of the Gap pants, which uh, maybe we can even accredit it to the gym after I had gotten a personal trainer for a while. Uh, shrunk specifically in my quads and a little bit into my thighs. Um, your clothes, you got to wear them. They can't wear you. So I got way too uncomfortable right off the bat. But at the very least, the saving grace was probably going to be my shirt. I wound up going with a French cuffed club collared, so a rounded collar, very, very 1920s-esque of myself. Uh, figured that was going to be, if anything was going to set me apart from any other guy in the room, it was going to be the collar alone on my shirt, uh, not even to mention the French cuffs on it. And then a really nice charcoal gray, just like an evening wear style uh, jacket, and a really nice... Uh, like a cross between like a darker red and a, a burgundy pocket silk with a beautiful uh, navy blue polka dot with a navy blue uh, detail around the outside edges of the of the pocket silk. So I was over the moon with that. So having stuck with that blue shade on them, um, they pop very nicely against that uh, against that kind of the orangish brown on the shoe. I'm a hippie camper beyond that. As far as the plain toes go. It's going to be between the caps and the plain, to and the, uh, the plain, as I call them, the plain jeans, as far as for what you're going to be building them for, or I should say what you're going to be wearing them and using them for. If 
you want to get, you know, for some plain toes, you can as formal them up as black tie or white tie, tuxedo, whatever the case may be. If you're going to be going that route, I would say if it was going to be formal evening wear, you'd almost be better off getting yourself just a plain um, patent leathered, um, some, and some of them are beautiful, even slipper-wise, but um, you know, even like an Italian handmade tuxedo shoe, essentially, almost like, again, like a slipper-style shoe. Some of them are velvet-lined, others are just straight-up sheepskin-lined, but they're beautiful shoes, but if you're going to go ultra-formal, uh, black-tie style, I would almost go with those guys. But plain toes, you can get away pretty much with murder. Give them a great shine if it's a particular shade of brown, I don't experiment too much as far as my polishes go. If you're gonna want, if you're gonna want to go uh, color specific, color specific, you're gonna get the best shine, the best gloss for your money. And I, my my customers love it when I start getting into and diving into shining, and especially spit shining. A lot of people think that it doesn't mean what it sounds like anymore. I swear it does. Um, I love spit shining my shoes. It's very traditional. It's almost like cooking. It's almost therapeutic in that sense. But uh, a plain toe, whether it was a jean, a slack, going to depend probably maybe color and shape-wise about uh, chinos. I'm very much on the floor about chinos. Um, wore a pair of chinos today, and I wear them with a pair of uh, our oil tanned leather gym shoes with the really nice sheepskin liner. As a matter of fact, I probably should put those guys on a shoe tree. I haven't put my uh, put those guys on a shoe tree. Please shoe tree your folks. You'll you'll appreciate it in the long run. But uh, to kind of round it out, it's going to be a matter of, you know, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I don't want that to be too cliche, but it's just going to be in the nature of what it's going to be for. If you want to casual it, if you want to make it specifically for formal, if you want to get different tones with different... Um, over you know embellishments for if you want to wear it for work or if you want to wear it for going out it's also going to be a, a matter of the price point for so many of my gentlemen or even for you know wives and girlfriends or anything in between who might be looking for a gift for their significant other if you're going to be paying up to a certain price point I'm always going to re- recommend something that you can wear for either as long as you take care of it and as long as it looks presentable. If it was going to be something for work, if it was going to be something for meetings, anything else like that, if it's going to be more budgetary, if it's going to be more economical, you know, economically friendly, go with something that you know that deep down, even if you don't dress up very often, what is going to get you through everything and anything? What is going to be a Swiss Army knife for you? If it's memory foamed, if it's uh, cork sold, if you know, if you want that security of knowing it was an American-made shoe or an Italian, if it's handmade, if it's you know hand-stained, hand-burnished, hand-finished, whatever that price point is going to be for you, and not everybody buys shoes as often as everyone else, especially not as often as myself. I had only just got these guys a few weeks ago, so it's it's going to be a matter of what's going to take you the farthest, and you know, kind of think of it as a car. What's if you're going to pay extra for something that gets you a little bit farther in that distance, maybe that's worth it a little bit more for you. I'm going to start wrapping it up. We're going to be right around that 30-minute mark, just keeping it short and simple. So pretty straightforward and, uh, you know, nice, easy listening kind of an episode. Shoes can go anywhere. They can make you feel better. They can be, you know, great for dressing up, for work. They really set the mood. 
You can even have different uh, different styles for different kind of categories of life. I'm still kind of working on it. I had a young lady in the store with her husband, and even she said it. You need something for working hard and playing hard. But whatever the case might be, look at that price point. Look at the build-wise. Is it going to be repairable? How does that color look on you? Does it accentuate your skin tone? Does it make your eyes pop? You know, does it look good on date night? Does it look great for a job interview? Um, how much versatility are you going to get out of it? How much mileage are you going to get out of it? But at the end of the day, it's all about what you're going to get out of it because as long as those shoes are going to look and feel right on you, then no matter what, those shoes are going to be true to you. This is Kevin for Style as Effort. I'm going to give uh, Arthur a quick call and see how he's doing. He's going to say his hellos to everybody on the show. And until the next time, stay tuned.